Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible handy, I want you to hold two spots, one in Luke chapter 7 and the other in Matthew 18. And just as a way of, by way of reminder, uh, if you want to have the scriptures right in front of you and the fill-ins that we show on the screen, uh, just click downloaded notes, really convenient and we can track along together. We are in part three of our series called Love Strong. And the basic idea is men love feeling strong. <laughs> Pretty simple. Uh, we equate feeling strong in any dimension of our life with confidence. And who doesn't wanna feel more confident in the different dimensions of life? If you're physically strong, you feel confident. If you're financially strong, you feel confident. If professionally you're developing and you feel strong, you feel confident, right? But here's the issue and why we're doing this series. You can feel strong in so many dimensions of your life, but if you do not know how to love strong, you can't have strong relationships. And we all know that if we're not doing our relationships right and loving strong, we are simply not doing life right. In fact, at the end of our lives, the measure of our lives is not all those other areas of strength. It's actually how strong were we at our relationships with God and people. So to get us ready for today's session, I want to quote the famous French philosopher and mathematician, Blaise Pascal, who said, there are two kinds of men, the righteous who think they are sinners and the sinners who think they are righteous. Now, he's commenting on men, and he's commenting specifically on the spiritual perception men have about themselves, right? There are two kinds of guys. There are righteous men who think they are sinners, and there are sinners who think they are righteous. What's his point? His point is that there's two kinds of thinking when it comes to a man and his spiritual life that lead to two different kinds of lives, and listen, two different sets of relationships. One man is humble, the other is prideful. One man can connect with everybody, the other selectively connects with people just like him. One man avoids certain kinds of people, the other will engage those same people. One steers clear, the other draws near. One man loves, the other comes off as pseudo-religious. Now, why make the distinction between the two different types of men who have two different spiritual perceptions of themselves? Why do we have to make that distinction? Because Jesus, if you were listening to my little outline of the two different types of men, Jesus is more like one and less like the other. In fact, Jesus addressed how our spiritual perception of ourselves impacts our relationship with him and our relationship with other people, all right? And you can't love strong if you have the wrong self-perception. In fact, when Jesus um, was interacting with people, all right? He only had one filter, which would pull him into healthy relationship with anybody, and that was this. Listen, an honest need. 
That was his only filter. And if he could identify someone who had an honest need in their life that he could meet or for relationship, he would, figuratively speaking, jump in the boat and sail to that shore of that person's life. And and he would navigate whatever cultural winds and waves he had to, to make sure that he got close to that person and got to the shore of their life to connect with them, all right? And in this way, Jesus was dangerously attractive, Jesus was dangerously inviting, and Jesus was controversial, right, to the other men of his time. Why? Because he didn't only love those who were close to him or were blood relations or who liked him a lot. In fact, he broke the rules to love perfect strangers, the undesirables, the unattractive, right, the unacceptables. And and that's what made him so attractive to everybody, top to bottom uh, in culture. Now, the question is, will we, right, the men who claim to follow Jesus, be known for loving the same way in our context right now, in our culture right now, in our communities in which we find ourselves right now, in our network of relationships, first, second, and third, and fourth circle, in our networks of relationships the same way. And so uh, today, let's just see what God has to say through his word, the Bible, about you and I loving strong. Then let's look at the key inner battle that every man of God has to win so that he can love strong, and when he's loving strong, he's gonna have great relationships. Then we'll see Jesus, and this is the cool part, reset the spiritual perceptions of the men he was with, and then how we can apply what he said to them toward our most important relationship. So let's start with what God has to say to you and I about loving strong in 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. It says this, This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. And so right out of the box, let's just identify the main theme of this passage. It's fear and love. Those are your two main things. Well, what about fear? The Bible says that fear inside of us spells disaster for relationships. We cannot love in a healthy, strong way when fears are controlling us on the inside. Doesn't matter what those fears are, fear of losing control, fear of being rejected, and and an assorted number of other fears and insecurities. If you have fears inside, you're not gonna be completed in love. But then let's look at the opposite theme. God's strong love inside of us defeats those fears and insecurities which sabotage our relationships. And they, it frees us, right, to love in strong and unselfish 
and healthy way. So the two themes are fear and love. What's the point? If fear is inside of you, then it's gonna be hard to love others really well, which means you're not gonna have good relationships, which means you're not gonna do life right. But if pervasive acceptance and love and mercy and forgiveness have come inside of you and defeated those fears, right, then you're free now to not try to control relationships or dominate relationships or predict relationships out of fear. You're just free to serve other people. And when you're free to serve other people in relationships, man, watch how those relationships become blessed. And, and that's what I wanna do next, is I just kinda wanna give you sort of the dynamics of fear versus love, all right? Let's, let's, let's unpack how fear and love work inside of us, uh, and we'll go right down uh, on our outline. Number one, fear makes us guarded with others. Will they reject us? Right? Will they accept us? Right? Do you see how that's not a good foundation? But love, on the other hand, write this down, makes us open with others. All right? Instead of being guarded and self-protected, when you're loved by God and his strong love is inside of you, you're cool. I mean, people can't, could reject you, could hurt you, but you're open because you can't get hurt because God loves you. The next compare contrast is fear makes us exclusive with others, right? We limit who we'll interact with because we're afraid that they won't accept us versus love, write this down, makes us inclusive with others. We don't have to be selective in who we connect with when we're loved by God, right? Because when we're loved by God who accepts us, now, we're not worried about a selective group accepting us or these people rejecting us because God loves us, all right? Let's look at the last compare-contrast. Fear makes us distant with others and love makes us accessible to others. Write that down. You know, when you have fear in relationships, there's barriers. There's places you can go, places you can't go emotionally, right? There's places you can go and places you can't go relationally, right? There's subjects you can talk about, there's subjects you can't talk about. And you know what that, all that fear in relationships does? Is it, it doesn't allow you to, to be fully known or to get fully close. Love, God's love, his strong love on the inside, makes you accessible. Why? Because he loves you just the way you are. He loves you with all your all your imperfections. He covers all your flaws. And when you have experienced that on the inside, once you're fully known and you're okay, you can be fully known and okay with other people and not self-protective. So I want you to think about living out of fear and out of love, all right? Are you guarded, exclusive, and distant, all right? Or are you open, inclusive, and accessible, right? Just depends on whether or not fear is controlling you from the inside or love, God's love being completed with you on the inside. And so the question is, are you living in love or fear? Here is our big idea right out of the box. Experiencers of God's love become expressors of God's love. And we're really going to see that play out. Experiencers of God's love, boom, they shift 
They become healed and free on the inside. Fear dies, right? And openness and inclusivity and accessibility opens up. They start loving strong. When they start loving strong, then they're doing relationships right. If they're doing relationships right, they're doing life right. But it all goes back to your personal experience with God's love, your internalization of God's love, and God's love getting from here to here in a spiritual, emotional, and psychological way. It's transforming, all right? So that's God's mind, right? Fear and love, that's the battle we all gotta win. Now, let's look now at how when people experience God's love, it transforms them. Let's look at the key outcome of that transformation and then we'll apply it to ourselves. And the first sort of vignette that I want us to walk through is an encounter that a group of dudes who are with Jesus experience when someone who has experienced and internalized God's love is injected into the picture. And we pick up the story in Luke chapter seven. I'll read it and then we'll unpack it. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was seating, was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Bam. What a moment. I mean, what tension. What, I mean, just put yourself in that scenario, you know? You got the, the, the boys club, the religious boys club, the religious and powerful boys club, right? And in enters this gal who just blows up the meeting and Jesus is like, that's how you do it. <laughs> It's just a great uh, scenario on all levels, but let's unpack it, all right? Let's, let's see what the woman did because of her experience with God's love as a response to experiencing God's love and how she went from being an experiencer to an expressor. Let's look at her expression, all right, after her encounter with God's love, okay? And the first thing you see is that she brought her best energy. Man, she just, she, she heard where Jesus was. She 
decided on the inside, I'm going to express my love for God with God because of my experience with him. And she felt like she had to give back. And so she has this energy, this gratitude, this, this physical action. Man, she is bringing her best energy. Secondly, we see that she broke the rules culturally. All right, now you have to understand, first century Jewish culture, right? She's got the wrong anatomy. She's got the wrong gender. She's got the wrong profession. Like she lived a very sinful life before she met Jesus. That means prostitute most likely, all right? Wrong spiritual profile because of that and because she's a woman, right? Super wrong timing. It's like she barges in there, but she doesn't care. Why? Because she's experienced God's love. She's now an expressor of love back toward God. So she's bringing energy and she's breaking the rules. Third, we see she boldly worshiped publicly. Does she care that she's breaking the rules, like all of them, culturally, profession, spiritually? No, right? In this scenario, there's one audience and his name is Jesus. And she boldly worships him not in private, but in public, right? And so when you see this, uh, you have to go back to our initial point, which is experiencers of God's love become expressors of God's love. This sinful woman, most likely a prostitute, encountered Jesus before this meeting. He met her, he encountered her, he accepted her, he forgave her, she felt her worth for the first time probably in a long time, and that radically transformed her spiritual self-perception, right? After experiencing God's love, it humbled her, but it made her grateful, and she had to bring her energy, she had to break the rules culturally, and she had to boldly worship publicly and that's what Jesus affirms, all right? So what do we see? I want you to write down, this is so important, I want you to write down what we see, all right? At the root of it, we see A, a loved person, write that down, we see a loved person. Secondly, we see an unfamiliar position, and this is important, all right? This is what love does. This is what an encounter with Jesus' love does with somebody, uh, with anybody who understands it correctly, right? We, we now will put ourselves in an unfamiliar position, all right? Maybe we put ourselves in the unfamiliar position now of attending church every week so we can worship publicly. Maybe we put ourselves in the unfamiliar position of raising our hands to a God in that church service who loved us so much and we're so grateful and we've scored the greatest touchdown of all time, eternal life, right? We put ourselves in the unfamiliar position of breaking rules, maybe cultural rules, because we're so grateful to our, for our experience in God that we become an expressor of love back to God. And third, we see a personal I might add, and powerful connection with Jesus, right? 
The fact that she was willing to put herself in that unfamiliar position to worship Jesus, man, that communicated deep to the heart of our Savior. It really communicated to him. This woman gets it. This woman knows who I am. She knows how I feel about her. She, she understands uh, what I've done and who I am. And in my presence, I'm going to receive the worship she's expressing. So do you see how God's strong love inside of this woman as an experiencer turned her into an expresser of love back to God? She's loving God strong. And that's our most important relationship, guys. That's the relationship we want to do really, really well, right? Our relationship with our Savior. How's that going? Would Jesus be able to say of us to a group of guys, hey, you know, look at what, she, look at what he did. You know, he gets it. Do you get it? And if you're like me, sometimes I, I forget. Sometimes I get distracted. Sometimes I just drift from the amazing and awesome love of God for me. And I, 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 I don't pause to ponder how amazing that is. And guess what? I, I turned from an, ex, uh, an expresser of love back to God to sort of an excuser. You know, I just kind of set things aside. I, I might not be as public. I, but men, we have to remember every day who we are and who he is, what we did that created separation from him, what he did to create reconciliation with us, and we just need to let our hearts feel what our head knows every single day. This woman, she brought her best energy publicly for Jesus. She broke the rules publicly and culturally to let Jesus know, I love you. She boldly worshiped. She brought her best self, her best offering. That jar of perfume was the most expensive and precious thing that she had. But you know what? The most precious thing she had, she wanted to put at the feet of Jesus. She wept. She felt it. She felt his grace on the inside, cleansing her of a life of promiscuity and prostitution and sin to the point where now she could actually accept God's acceptance and it blew her away, changed her forever. And man, her putting herself in that unfamiliar position, that communicated to God. We, men, can learn from her. And that was the message to Jesus. Hey guys, that's how it's done. That's how we respond in response to my great love and forgiveness. In fact, Jesus says, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love shows, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. So she turned from an experiencer of God's love into an expresser of love toward God publicly, right? She puts herself out there for God, and that's what an expresser is of love toward back. You put yourself out there. His love has so defeated the fear of what people think 
Man, she's out there. Bam. And she does not care. All right. So when we experience God's love, it kills the fear of what other people think. When that fear has been defeated, we put ourselves out there to love God back publicly and openly and fearlessly like is modeled in the gospel in this scenario. All right, now let's look at how God's love puts us out there for people. Next, because that's, those are the greatest commands, love God, love people, right? Um, here in Matthew chapter 18, we have another scenario. Uh, Jesus is trying, again, to reset the, the spiritual self-perceptions of men so that they can love God and love people in a strong way. And so he tells them a story. Let's pick up the conversation in Matthew 18. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Quote, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a who hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Quote, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Wow. So in this section on the downloaded notes, it says, I put myself out there for people, or so we hope we do, based on our encounter with the mercy and love and forgiveness of God. And that's really the theme of this parable that Jesus is sharing. Because not all experiencers, as we see in this parable, become expressors, right? In fact, experiencers uh, become oppressors versus expressors. And as you read later on in Matthew 18 and in the parable, that deeply offends the king who canceled the debt and, and stirs up his righteous anger at the person whose debt he canceled. So let's look at this parable and let's let Jesus reset our spiritual perception of ourselves based on our encounter with his love and forgiveness, okay? And the first thing we need to remember is that receivers are responsible individually, all right? If you're a receiver of God's love and forgiveness, if he's canceled your debt and showed his mercy toward you out of love, then you're responsible individually to steward that experience, all right? Secondly, receivers are to relate to others differently. 
all right? That's the, the next logical step. If I'm responsible to steward my experience, I need to become an expressor of that same experience, which means that I'm gonna relate to others differently. That was the failing of the servant whose debt had been totally canceled and forgiven. He, he experienced it, but instead of becoming an expressor of that same mercy and love and forgiveness, he became an oppressor, right? And that leads us to the third dynamic when we put ourselves out there for others based on our encounter with God's love. Third, receivers are risk takers personally. So go back to the parable, the king, the servant who owes him money, and that interaction of the canceling of all the debt. And then he leaves the king's presence after that experience of love and forgiveness and mercy, and then encounters a person in his life who owes a debt to him. And that's his moment where having experienced what he just encountered with the king, he could have expressed that same type of action toward the person who owed him money, but he couldn't risk it. Why? Because he was afraid. He was afraid that he would lose out if he did that. He was afraid of reproducing. He was afraid to take that risk. The same risk the king took with him, right? To transform him. And so when we look at our own lives, we're just like that servant who has had the, the mountain of debt canceled, who, who's been the object of great mercy and love. And we're gonna be called into a moment where we intersect with others in our network of influence, and God's gonna call us to risk treating them the same way he treated us in faith. And risk is a parable for faith, right? You don't know what the outcome is that that's gonna be before the fact. You have to, in faith, take the action first and then see what the outcome is. And that's where we risk for God relationally. I know there's a lot of men who watch this, this live stream and they're being asked right now to take a risk relationally, to sacrifice without knowing the outcome of their sacrifice, to, to forgive without knowing if the person will forgive them back, to do something in a relationship where there might not be reciprocity, right? But it doesn't matter how the other person responds. What matters to the king in this, he's not worried about that servant's relationship with him. He's worried about his relationship with others in his life. God, the king in this story, he knows what he's done for you. And he's watching and tracking not only what your response to, back to him is, but he's tracking, I wonder if, I wonder if Kenny's gonna reproduce my, his encounter with my love and, and give grace and cover flaws and cancel debt in the relationships that he has. I know that there are many of you right now and you're watching me and you're, or you're listening to me somewhere and uh, this is hitting you right between the eyes. 
God's spirit is heavy on you and he's convicting you that you, as an experiencer of his mercy and his forgiveness, now are being called in faith to take a risk to express that same forgiveness and healing and reconciliation to someone else in your life who maybe has hurt you. And it's not about their response. It's about you understanding what God has done for you, knowing that now you are responsible to relate to others differently and to take a risk. Look at on your notes in Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 through 8. Jesus tells his, his men, uh, now that you have a relationship with me and you understand how I feel about you, I have a commission for you. And he said this to his men, as you go, right, to connect with people, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Listen, freely you have received, freely give. So Jesus is identifying receivers are now risk takers. They enter people's lives and they give away to others what God has given to them. So men, you have to pause and you go, what has God given to you? God's loved you, God's forgiven you, God's shown mercy to you, God has canceled your debt, God has been patient with you, God has been kind to you, God has overwhelmed you with generosity. Get the picture? Freely you've received all that. What's God's expectation? That we freely give it away, right? That we take risks now the same way God took a risk on us. He didn't know how we were gonna respond to him when he sent Jesus to die for our sins, but he did it anyway. Took a risk on us. And now we're gonna risk in our relationships to love strong in faith and do it because we've experienced it, right? Now, that's putting yourself out there. In both scenarios, the woman who has this great encounter with the love of God, loves him back greatly, publicly, boldly, breaks the rules, puts herself in an unfamiliar position, and Jesus goes, that is what it's all about. She puts herself out there in her relationship with God. In the parable of the servant who had his debt forgiven, right? God is watching the king in the parable, and he wants him to put himself out there for people, but he fails, all right? And so we learn by contrast that God is calling us to be responsible with our encounter with his love, relate to others differently based on that encounter, and take risks. And it's out there, man. It's different, all right? That's what it means to be salt by contact and light by contrast. Man, we love strong, and that's what it looks like. We love God strong, and we love people strong. Now, Jesus, in your notes, it says, the man who was out there. Look at Look at how his contemporaries, other guys seeing him, thought about him and what he was doing. All right, it says this in the Gospels. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. In other words, this dude, he's out there, right? He's a man of God and he's out there. He's not like us 
We're exclusive, right? We don't hang out with those people. We're not accessible. We're guarded. We're not inclusive. We're exclusive. And you know, the beautiful thing about Jesus, secure in God's love, is he could reach out to the leper and touch the leper, the physically unacceptable. He could reach out and invite Zacchaeus, the Jewish trader who's working for the Romans, collecting taxes, burdensome taxes. He can reach out to a hated person in his culture and say, bro, I'm having dinner at your house. And that encounter totally transforms Zacchaeus. He can reach out to the Samaritan woman at the well. Now there's a totally break the rules of culture encounter. Woman at the well at the wrong hour, likely a prostitute, holy, sinful, same dynamics. But Jesus connects with her. He's out there. Or what about the woman caught in adultery, right? And he protects and defends her. He's out there, right? Or what about the centurion? What about, you know, Jesus helping the, 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 the oppressor, the Roman, right? Who comes to Jesus because he has a servant in his household who needs healing, right? That's out there, man. If you're a man of God, you are going to be out there in the way that you love people. Jesus was out there. Question, are we out there in how we love? Look at what it says in Matthew 11. It says, John, this is Jesus talking, John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. So men of God in their time, Jesus is identifying John in his time and how he was a man of God and he was out there for God and they labeled him, right? They're like, that dude's from the devil. And he didn't get a label from the regular guys in culture. He got a label from the synthetic pseudo-religious because he was doing the right thing. Jesus, same way, right? He's actually doing the things that John didn't do, and they labeled him. Can you make up your mind, all right? Here's John, here's Jesus. They're doing, what, they're doing God's will in their context, in their time, and they're getting a label for being out there. Jesus gets the label as the friend of sinners. And then he, 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 he caps it off by saying, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds, all right? Versus what? By her words. You see, love is an action. The king in the parable of the debtor wanted to see the action. Jesus in the boys club with the woman coming in and fearlessly and boldly loving him back because of her encounter with God's love, all right, he affirms the action. And then he points out the lack of action by the guys who are, who are hanging out with him and supposed to know him. Right? She's like, she's doing it right, and she doesn't even hang out with me. You're hanging out with me, and you're not doing what you should be doing. Right? That's all instructive for us. Right? We have to change our self-perception based on our experience with God's love. And what we see here when Jesus put himself out there is that there's some blowback. Right? Write this down. The expressors threaten the excusers. Right? Who's an expressor? Ex expressor. That's a person who has an authentic, real connection with Jesus, who has experienced 
his love and, and having experienced his love, they're, they're public worshipers. They're proactive forgivers and reproducers of, of God's love in their relationships. They love strong. Who are the excusers? Those are the men who have a synthetic versus authentic connection with God. Right? They don't love well. They just don't. They're not good friends. They're not good husbands. They're not good uh, brothers in Christ. They're, not, they're more concerned with their image right, versus the substance of their relationships. And that's instructive for us because we're tempted to do the same. This is the spiritual battle. So my question to you is what, what category do you fit in? Are you an expresser out of your experience with God's love? Or are you kind of an excuser, right? And the, the expressers threaten you, okay? Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 5, because if you're an expresser, don't be afraid. You're blessed. That's what Jesus said. Listen to what Jesus said. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, Jesus says, and I want you to write this down, welcome to the fellowship of the out there, right? You're out there, man. You've encountered the love of God. That love has invaded and pervaded and transformed you in such a way now that you're now expressing public, fearless gratitude and love back to Christ and you're reproducing what he did with you with people. You are loving God strong, relationship number one, and you're loving people strong, set of relationships number two. And that's what we're put on earth to do. Keep it simple, keep it strong. Welcome to the fellowship of the out there. All right, and men, this is a challenge. I know it's a challenge. Some of you are relationally challenged right now. And what I'm telling you is that you need to internalize God's love for you so that you can give it away. You can become an expressor. God's calling us all, especially in this hour and culture. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine if the 700 million men who claim the name of Jesus went from being just experiencers to expressors in the ways that we've seen Jesus both affirm and teach us this morning? Change the world, change communities change high schools, change workplaces, right? Change cities, right? And that's what the Dangerous Good movement is all about. And if you struggle with this, getting God's love from here to here, can I just encourage you to pop on Amazon or a provider and down, download or buy my book, Fail Safe. It's the second book in the, the trilogy of the Dangerous Good movement. First book is Dangerous Good. Second book is Fail Safe, Living Secure in God's Acceptance, right? If you need to get your God's love kind of out of here and more into your heart and your insides so that you can become an expressor, right, versus just an experiencer, Fail Safe, Living Secure 
in God's acceptance. All right, men, let's uh, let's pray. Let's pray application of what we just learned. Let's bow our heads wherever you are. I want you to, to, to stop, pause, kneel. Let's now in faith come into God's presence, having heard a direct word from him. Jesus, thank you that you were out there. You were out there because you loved the Father and you loved people. And yeah, you threatened the men who didn't love really well. That was me. I, I didn't know how to love well until I met you. And when I saw and experienced how much you love me, what you did to make a way for me to have my sins forgiven and have a home in heaven and find, finally, my purpose for living, to love you and love people really strong. Lord, that's when life began for me. And so God, I thank you that there is a comparison in your interactions with men and you wanted us to see the contrast. And Lord, we look at the example of the woman who invaded the little boys club. I'm convicted, Lord, at, by her boldness, by her fearlessness, by her humility that led to courage and her lack of pride. And she went from being an experiencer to an expressor. And then, Lord, I, I do thank you that you allow us to see through your word the other side. People who are with you, people who claim a relationship with you, and yet they're not humble and fearless. They're prideful and scared. And those are the excusers, not the expressors. God, for every man listening to this podcast, this live stream, I declare the love of God over them, the love of God into them, the love of God running through them, the love of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, their sense of your love, their, their thoughts about your love, their spiritual self-perception. God, I pray that you would make us more like the woman who was bold and who was fearless and who broke the rules to show love for you and make us like a servant who understands that you want us to give away what we've experienced and to take risks personally, to be willing, not to refuse, but to be willing to risk love and forgiveness in the same way uh, in our relationships. God, we wanna be receivers who are responsible with what we've experienced with you. Seal this now, seal every desire for you and for people uh, in this prayer right now, everybody listening to it, seal that desire that shows love for God and people and now express. God, I pray for the expressions today that are going to break out because people have heard from you clearly, just like I did. And their relationships are going to change because your love is real to them. And now people are going to experience real love, authentic love, healthy love from men of God all over the world. In Jesus' name, we pray and declare victory. Amen and amen. Wow. Great word. 
Come back and join us next week. Tell a friend about the Men's Global Livestream, and we'll see you next week.